Welcome in to episode number 19 of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I'm Chad Noonan. We are a year into this podcast. And just looking at the list of people we've had on already is amazing and and surprising. And and I'm so grateful to speak to the kids in the hall and Lauren Michaels and Jim Belushi and go to multiple award shows and TV press junkets. It's, It's been a whirlwind of a year. I can't wait to see what 2023 holds for us. We're kicking it off with a bang, with a huge episode focused loosely on children's programming or children's entertainment. Well, the second interview, Brad Goss, children's is in quotes. But my first interview, who's somebody I grew up with, he had a show on the CBC for 12 seasons. He's a four-time Juno Award winner, a member of the Order of Canada, and he has the coolest backpack in the world. It's Fred Penner. Unbelievable. So excited to talk to Fred. Before we started the interview, Fred was kind of wondering why I wanted him to be on this comedy podcast. And and I explained to him that, you know, growing up for kids, he was probably, for a lot of us, the first bit of entertainment that we saw on television on the CBC, whether it be on Saturday mornings or after school. And he made me laugh and he made millions of Canadian children and, and, and children throughout the United States as well, as his show was was syndicated there, laugh and smile. And and besides our parents, somebody like Fred or or Mr. Dress Up was, was some of that first bit of comedy we might have seen. So I had a great chat with Fred. I hope you enjoy it. We talk about everything from how they wrote the show, the craziness of filming a show like that, and what he thinks of children's television today. Here it is. I hope you enjoy my interview with the great Fred Penner. This is a show essentially about comedy and making people laugh and making them smile. And, and for sure. so many people, you were probably, you know, obviously people's parents are may, might give them their first laugh, but you were maybe for some that first laugh of when watching television or that first that I can be entertained by someone you got your, and I might have my facts on a little bit of this, but I think you got your start on the elephant show which was Sharon Lewis and Bram. Was that kind of your first kids television experience, like doing an episode of that? Uh, no, I I had done, uh, I I think I only did one or two episodes of Elephant Show. I had done lots of work in Winnipeg with CBC, mm-hmm. uh, some Sesame Street spots. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd already been, uh, been focusing on on the family direction that, that really started in 1979 when when i had uh, uh when the first album when the cat came back came out mm-hmm. um then then the touring started happening you know it was like it was it was so wide open with rafi sharon Lawson, bram and myself we were we were burning the trail it was pretty incredible how how much energy there was with the the the, the boomers were demanding you know, quality entertainment. So we were we were all selling out. You know, a couple of thousand seat theaters across the country, and it was uh, it it really was driving. And and so these shows started started coming together, and uh, and the Elephant Show was running, and and I think it was a couple of years before Fred Penner's Place came around. Uh, 
What did, did you do? You know what year I did the Elephant Show? Is that you did it the year? But so eighty uh, five is when Fred Penner's place started, and you did yeah. the Elephant Show in eighty four. So I, okay. I thought maybe there might be a direct connection to an episode working an episode of that show and then getting the CBC. But it sounds like this this path yeah. was already started down. No, yeah, yeah, the the path was was uh, had opened because CBC had been following my work. Uh, in in those those first four or five years, and uh, and I already had uh, three four albums in the market then, mm-hmm. and CBC was looking for a replacement for the Friendly Giant. Okay. So, so for a while, I was known as the Giant Killer. Thank you, very, <laughs> thank you very much, people, because people <laughs> adored adored dear uh, Bob Homie. Yeah, him and uh, him and Chester and yeah, or, Chester. Yeah. No, um, Jerome. Jerome, right. Yeah, the giraffe. Yeah, Jer- yeah. Jerome the giraffe. Rod Coney Bear was the uh, was the puppeteer and, and the little and the little uh, rooster, etc. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was it was just a beautiful, beautiful show. And, and and Bob had that lovely, gentle spirit, and he didn't he didn't talk down to the kids, which is really a, a critical point from my point of view. But CBC uh, came came knocking and they said, you know, we'd love for you to do a show. What do you want to do? And and that that opened the door. I I came up with the concept of you know of the hollow log and going into a magical place and and the rest of that. And we just had thirteen years of of absolute insanity putting these shows together and, and dozens of writers across the country. And I was writing songs on a you know on a on a daily basis almost for the for the shows. And it just that that energy. For that amount of time, this just you know blew blew my mind for sure. Twelve years is is an amazing run. Did you keep anything from the show? Do, do you have do you have the log or, or anything like that? Sadly, the the log and any of the big props are gone. I've got okay. the backpack. I've got yeah. Word Bird. Okay. And and actually the back the backpack and the bird and and a couple of my uh, my signature sweaters from the uh, from the series. Are now on display at the uh, Museum of Natural History in Amazing. Ottawa yeah. for the next year, along with a retrospective on uh, Canadian television, children's television. Oh, that's so that's, that's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, so that's that's happening now. We we spent you know whack of time putting that together. So uh, so I yeah so I, I have very very little left from that time other than uh, a whack of pictures and some pretty insane memories. When when I was younger, how I became obsessed with TV or really into to television and, and wanting to work in media is I took a tour of the CBC building and got to see some of the props. I, I believe some of the props from your show were there at the time and the Friendly Giant set was set up and uh, pieces from Sesame Street and the Tickle Trunk and everything. So um, all those formative pieces were there. And I don't know if they're currently, some are still on display, but uh, right in the main atrium of CBC. That's in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, in Toronto, correct. Yeah, how important was it you you mentioned working with many writers? How much did you guys focus on the funny of your show? Cuz you guys you, you had funny elephant elements. Obviously, that's a great way to engage kids with comedy. You had poignant elements as well, but how how important was funny? Um there was always a bit of a battle when it, when it came to funny. Mm. Because the 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 idea, the attitude of of many of the writers was that funny 
equals silly. And and I and I I I mean I'm I'm a I'm a grown man. I have four children. You know I I understand kids pretty well at this point. And 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 getting silly with my own children is one thing, but but doing the 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 goofy silly things that that could perhaps bring a smile to a child's face was not was not the direction I wanted to go. So mm-hmm. so if they if they had me you know, in one scene, you know, getting down on all fours and, and, and pretending to be a, a, a gorilla, I would feel uncomfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I couldn't, I, I really had trouble doing the silly. So whenever I saw something that was in that category for me, I, I would battle it and say, can we find some other way of approaching this topic, etc. So my, my perspective to, to, to funny was was not so much the the uh, reaching out and and doing something that was uh, that caused oh what am I saying um, it 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 needed to it needed to touch a child in a in a in a much more internal way. Than just than just the flash of, of of oh this is this is this is crazy this is insane, um, often the you know humor would come from the child, you know if if I'm if I'm interacting with with kids not on television, mm-hmm. but if I'm interacting with kids it's it starts with uh, a, a real inquisitiveness of oh you know it, it's good to see you how how are you doing today what's happening. Uh, if I'm telling the story, leaving gaps for them to fill in the blanks, so they feel like they're really engaged in in a process of dialogue with with me, <clears throat> and and then the, the the humor grows out of that. You know, you you can do it with with little ones. It's easy because you you know you do the the peekaboo or you mm-hmm. you can play some physical physical game you know some some motion bouncing them on the knee will cause cause humor doing little little uh hand rhymes you know that 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 use their their fingers tickling you know those those really basic physical things are humor humorous and can draw a laugh from a child but what 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 does because because children know don't know humor you know if you ask a child <clears throat> excuse me if you ask a child to tell a joke you you'll you know i'm a cookie <laughs> yeah. you know, i it, have it, a like, i have a seven-year-old i get that a lot yeah <laughs> you know, yeah okay so, so you know yeah. you know exactly what that is and you know and, and the humor is 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 on another level you know you you can't you can't necessarily define what humor is for for kids. You you have to play. You have to you have to just engage with them in a in a totally open, honest way. And and a, a humor will come out of that. Something funny mm-hmm. will come out of that. It, you know, imagining a funny situation could come out of that. Um, I, I I I have I have some some trouble along the way where where some acts get too big. You know where 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 it's all about color and flash and mm. and trying to demand the 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 laughter from the child. You know, like reaching out and grabbing where it 
in my perspective, it needs to be more organic. Hmm. You know, it, it needs to be not condescending. And, and often the other side can feel Happens. condescending to me. Um, and and kids, kids like to be serious. They like to have deep thoughts. They are, they are very complex, you know, beings. And, uh, and always trying to try to make them laugh just because they're, they're smaller than you are because you think that's the way it should be, you know, that, that, that starts to do a disservice to them in my mind, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I, you know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. As you were, as I was going back and actually watching episodes with my daughter this, this week, I got this, how, how much was the show was improvised? I got the sense there was a lot of like, improvisation where you where we didn't know yeah. where where things were going to go on it which was fun and great great to see especially when interacting with children and stuff in the uh in the beginning the first the first season 1980 whatever 85 86 we did 96 programs in a three-month period hmm. insane you know <laughs> it's wild Thir and 30 minutes there were 30 minutes sorry no these were 15s okay still yeah. An insane number yeah. of shows. Insane yeah. number of shows. So, so when when the script would come in, it was not exact lines. You know, it, it was here's the here's the concept. I mean, they they would write they would write exact lines, but but there's no way for me to memorize all that. So, it, it, in my mind, it would be okay. I I I the opening montage happens. I'm in the log waiting for the end of the song. Okay, now I crawl through, greet audience, uh, get guitar, um, sing, sing opening song, what a day, what a day, move from guitar cave to, to table, show, show some letters, uh, wait for word bird to drop, you know, so it was all conceptual, you know, I, I would go from here to here, you know, always keeping, keeping the eye on the camera. And it's, you know, come on, it's not much farther. It's over here. And, and so you're, it, it was just, it was very, very improvised off the top. Conceptually, it was, it was there. But the words I said, um, how, how I approached the camera was, was, uh, was very much improvised. Not, not until the last, I think, four or five years where there was a change in, in, in director and, and writers. And then we started doing it more like a film shoot where we would have a scene and it would be very specific what the lines were. And, and uh, it, it, got, uh, it got deeper, certainly mm -hmm. as this time, time went on. But in the beginning and for a lot of the shows, it was, yeah, it was uh, pretty spontaneous. And, and uh, I, I had to be on my toes for that, for that, that trip. Was, would you film it more than once or was it kind of first, second take? type thing no straight straight to straight straight to video one once in a while if, if if there was a break then then it would be okay let's let's repo back to that one but most most of the shows certainly in the beginning were uh were st straight on do, do you yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, sorry, I was gonna say, do you keep up with like children's television shows now or like kind of tune in to see what's what's yeah. what they're doing? Um, they've definitely changed in the sense of like, I know my daughter, it's like five second 
quick clips and lights, like you were saying, and flashes and trying to get a laugh out of something big. The the landscape has definitely changed, right? Yes, exactly. I I haven't watched kids programming for a long time. I I got pretty disheartened with Mm. with what they with what they were doing. Because it, it, I mean, my my perspective is is old school. Yeah, you know, I I I, I was much more intent on on trying to create an honest one on one thread. Mm-hmm. So so when when I looked at the camera, it was uh, and, and and the the director would uh, would remind me on occasion of this one is when. Uh, when I looked at the camera, the camera is is not, uh, even though it, it is opening the door to thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, you can't think of that. All you can think of is the one child. So I would look at that camera lens, and I would I would just beam right into it. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, it it's great to see you, you know, and and the and the child would feel he's talking to me. He's talking mm-hmm, to directly. me directly and so i i i, I kept th- that was uh that was the essence of of much of my work is is bring that child along with you on this journey on this inquisitive journey of trying to figure things out of discover things if there was some humor along the way you know the i often the the puppet characters would would supply much of the humor because they because they were the the, the they could be silly Mm-hmm. They could be, they, they could be that. I, I was often the foil for, for the other characters from a humor point of view. You know, I, I, I mean, you, if, if you get a, a, a character like Giorgio, uh, if you remember, remember the Giorgio yeah. of Francie Anderson was the puppeteer mm-hmm. and she was absolutely brilliant. Her spontaneity and her understanding of that, that character was incredible. But, but Giorgio was like a, like a five-year-old, out of control kid mm-hmm. who, who you know who's who who can do anything and it's and and the 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 humor of watching that happen was uh was i mean i i was in stitches just watching her because because she was so incredible but so that that's interesting the the humor i hadn't thought about that but the humor for much of my show was was connected with the with the puppets that's in a way that's an amazing art form in itself, puppeteering. Yes. I'm sure yeah. you've seen some amazing uh, people do it. And, I, and even I was watching yeah. clips of your show this morning and that always blew me away. And yeah, you can really get a good reaction comedy wise yeah. from, from a puppet and yeah, an amazing art form. Yeah. 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 Um, did you have a relationship with Mr. Jessup, Ernie Combs? Did you guys, were you guys friendly or cross paths? Yeah, we, we did cross paths a few times. I, I, I guess spotted on his, uh, his show at the Ontario exhibition. Okay. You know, down, down at, at Harbor front area. Yeah. He was doing a show and I, and I came out and I think we sang, uh, side by side. Oh, he ain't got a barrel of money, you know, a, a, a little soft, soft shoe together. And then I, I appeared on a couple of his episodes, and then he appeared on uh, on on my show, you know, a couple of times, and uh, and and yeah, so we 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 were friends. We didn't hang out a whole lot, but mm-hmm. uh, but I I uh, I loved his spirit. I loved his energy. You know, we we had probably 
the most poignant moment of any of the thousand episodes that I did was with was with Ernie, because uh, you you may or may not know this, but he was scheduled in uh, July of, of what 90, 94, 95 to to do do these shows with me, and and uh, about two weeks before he was supposed to come to Vancouver, uh, his wife was tragically killed in a car accident, mm-hmm. you know, in downtown Toronto, so he was he. You know, we called him immediately and said, we, we, you know, we, we'll cancel, we'll regroup. And, and he said, no, no, that he had been talking with his wife about how excited he was about doing the show. So, so he, he came to Vancouver, you know, for, for a comedy show here. We're off on a tangent. <clears throat> but but he, he came into the Studio 41 in Vancouver. And the love that poured to him from the cast, well, from the crew who all had grown up with Ernie was just, you know, just so much love and support for, for him. So we all felt, felt that. And then at the end of uh, one of the programs we were doing, uh, the, the last song we did was, was called Together Tomorrow Again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and until we actually were sitting there side by side singing that song, which is just a very, very beautiful tune that Tom Chapin uh, had written. Uh, we realized the meaning of the song in, in relation to him losing his wife. And both of us at the same time were, okay, hold on here. There's not going to be any tears, you know, it, it, but it was very, very close. We were both quite, uh, quite wrapped in that moment. But, uh, but he, he was... His his level of play was so so beautiful, because he, you know, he, he he got into into the silly mode with the uh, with the tickle trunk and and the stuff mm-hmm. that he did, and then he balanced that with his beautiful art art form, you know. Uh, but he and Fred Rogers, you know, they they had such a similar spirit of of play, and. Uh, so, so the question was, did I have a relationship with with Mr. Dressup? And yes, I did, and I, I wished it had been deeper. Mm, yeah, you talked about this being a comedy show, and yeah, I just want to say I, I think like comedy could be anything that puts a smile on people's faces, and you did that for for many years. I know you did it mm. for me. I'm 30. I'll be 35 next month. So right. I'm like right in your wheelhouse of early 90s growing up. I was. Oh, nice. You know, sure. so I definitely I watched your show every day. So I just uh, that's all my questions. I want to thank you so much oh. for for coming on, okay. and uh, I really I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks thanks for all yeah. you've done for for kids throughout the years, and and what you do and continue to advocate for people with disabilities as well. Oh, that's very very kind of you. It's uh, it's been a, a pretty fascinating journey, and it uh, it's slowing down a little bit. But but I, I I'll be back on the road again in a while and do some more concerts. But uh, but it's been a beautiful life, and I uh, I thank you very much for 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 bringing me into your program for a bit. Fred Penner, A plus guy, uh, amazing amazing talking to him. I I had an amazing time just asking all the questions I wanted uh, from my childhood. It was it was a ton of fun. Uh, Fred did mention after we we went off air and after I quit recording that uh, he plans on going back out on tour. Uh, he has no dates listed yet, but keep checking into fredpenner.com 
to see uh, tour dates and where Fred's gonna be. My second interview was a little different. This is the Ying and Yang podcast, I guess, uh, on the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. It's Brad Goss. And you've probably seen Brad on TikTok or your Instagram reels. He writes uh, children's books, but these children's books are not meant for children. Uh, Brad is a really interesting guy. He was an entrepreneur and a business owner, uh, but now he does the comedy writing thing full time. He's written uh, books such as Mom's Only Fans, uh, My Racist Grand, also books like OK Boomer and Daddy Drinks. Uh, all of Brad's books are available on Amazon. Uh, he promotes a lot. He does a lot of social media stuff. And, and he's quite frankly, he's blowing up. He's everywhere. People are sending me uh, his reels and clips of some of his funny uh, readings. I had a great chat with him. He's a very funny guy. It's a very different interview than the one you just heard. If you if you saw this listing uh, on Spotify and you're wondering why the E is there for explicit, this is why, because my conversation with Brad, very, very very funny guy. Please enjoy my interview with Brad Goss. Yeah, I, we might as well this, just... I have like a list of words I think are funny. And it's just yeah. like, I, you know, it's like, where can I insert these into a joke? And whenever I can, you know, if I yeah. can say if I can say the word cuck, it's getting a laugh. I actually watched this thing where Seinfeld was going through a joke and he was like, the punchline of the joke had like a European city in, in the title. So he like tried them all. He was like Rome, London. And then he found that Budapest was the funniest city. And he's not wrong. Budapest yeah. is the funniest city in yeah. Europe for some it's reason. Fun to, it's fun to say. It's a mouthful of of consonants and it's good. Yeah. Yeah. When you're, when you're writing your books, do you find that? It's like there's a certain word that you struggle with because i know you write them incredibly fast right yeah You're like i yeah. shit them out yeah, yeah 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 just on probably on the toilet many times sometimes yeah yeah i do a lot yeah. i do a lot of writing on the john if i'm if i'm honest but yeah um, I, I get no, that I, I find when i i find that sometimes i write them too fast and then i'll and then i'll be reading it for like the 20th time and i'll think to myself i really should have said this instead of this but right. then there's other times when they just flow out perfectly and the rhymes go off amazingly. It's it's easier to hit with words when you're rhyming, mm, because if yeah. you can rhyme, if you can rhyme with a word that they're not expecting to hear next, right. that makes them laugh. Yeah, yeah. And and I heard that you start with the title of a yep. book. So I wrote a title just because I was thinking about interviewing you. And tell me if this one is good. So it's called the book. My book will be called uh, Andrew Tate and His Romanian Cellmate. I like that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was hoping you were going to go the taint route. Yeah. And, and I, I call him Andrew Taint. Oh, that's um, a way that's even better. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I yeah. probably, I'd just probably call it Andrew Taint. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, and in, in my books, in many of my books, um, your, your mother or your sister uh, wind up a whore. So I would probably, <laughs> I would probably have some kind of whore reference in there as well. Right. Yeah. Um, well, he would be his know. cellmate's whore essentially. Right. Like, right. That would right. Be the premise. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I, it, I think there's so many Andrew Tate jokes that like are going to come out of all of this and it's, he's going to be so fun to mess with now because oh he totally, God. he totally disassembled his alpha status by taking on a 14 year old girl. And it was just, it's hilarious. It, it, it couldn't have happened in the best way, really. It, there, you couldn't script it in a better way. You no. you couldn't, where he's going to take on like the most famous teenager 
in the world who is so polar opposite to him there yeah you know yin and yang like it's it's wild yeah um, but why why would you mess down. with a girl she's not 14 she's like 19 but why would you mess with yeah. a teenage girl and like they're already mm-hmm. messing with you and your comments just you know fight them there like why you got to take on the alpha teenage girl and his 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 original tweet was just such a dick measuring loser tweet like yeah. look at my cars they run on gasoline i was like yeah, yeah. so does my kia sportage like, what's... <laughs> we're not the you same know? yeah 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 <laughs> cool i don't know what else is, you know what i mean like it's just yeah. such a yeah it wasn't there was nothing cool about it like yeah, yeah it was yeah. it was wild and and it's funny because um, because a lot of these alpha guys they follow this rule and i i try to follow it when i'm when i'm battling hecklers in my comments and the mm-hmm. rule is, I don't know if you know this rule or not, but mm-hmm. the rule is you always use less words than your opponent mm. and never accept the frame that they create for you. So if someone accuses you of something, never go on your heels and be like, no, I'm not. Or no, don't say that about my mom. Or like, you know, you always like, you never accept the thing that they say and you just come back with another insult, but it's always got to be less words. And he was pretty good at that. And then at some point when he got into it with, with Greta, he just started having like verbal diarrhea in his responses right. to her. And it was like, you're failing this basic premise that that gets created by these alpha guys, you know, use less words than, the, you know, and he's like totally failing with this little girl. And it's just so funny. Oh, my God. That's such a good uh, advice for standups, too. Right. Like using less words, you know, the standup that gets all like defensive of their material in the moment is the one that kind of fails to the heckler um yeah yeah, no that's that makes a lot of sense i hadn't heard that before do you deal with that a lot do you deal with hecklers in your in your comments of your youtube and tiktoks and every hour of every day chad really eh? yeah it's you know so so many people think that i'm actually writing children's books Mm. Like yeah. actually, they think I'm actually indoctrinating children into the lifestyle of polyamory or whatever it is that my book is about. And they get so angry. They get so angry on behalf of the children, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You know, and they, but they're just like, you know, and, and so they, they immediately call me a groomer and a pedophile and a, you know, you're, you know, drag queen story time is ruining America and, you know, all the things that they say, um, or they go the other way and they're like, you know, this is racist, this is misogynist, this is sexist, this is whatever. Um, and so, um, you know, I, 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 I treat each and every one of them as a heckler in a club and they must be mm. dealt with accordingly and I will fight them to the death. And at some point they'll say to me, you know, why are you giving me so much attention? And I'll say, well, you know, you're in my comment section together. We're, we're boosting my, my engagement and my, my algorithm numbers are going up because you're arguing with me to, you know, Instagram doesn't care if you're, if you hate me or you love me, the more you comment, the more people see my video. I could do this all day. Uh, I'm getting paid. What's your excuse? And that's yeah. usually when, that's usually when they shut down. They stop. <laughs> do, do people not realize anymore that like when you do your videos, like you got the glasses on, you like lower your voice a little bit. You're in character pretty much, right? Like that's yep. not it's you, but it's you elevated. Do people right. not get that? That it's like, do you find that that it's like, hey, this isn't like like you're a father, you have kids, right? Um, I'm sure you know, you parent the same way as I do in a little bit that where when you're talking to your kids, you might talk a little more freely than the average parent, but you're right. still, you know what I mean? You don't want your kids to 
do these things that are in your books? Do people just not get that you're in character? Do you think? Uh, yeah, I think they don't get it. And I think that, you know, we, we've just gotten to a place where everybody's so angry and everybody's trying to figure out, you know, even as a comedian, and I find this is the hardest part, right? It's like, I don't know, you're, you look like you're probably close to my age. I, I'm, I'm guessing you're in your, what, 40s, early 40s? No, I'm 34. 34. Okay. Yeah. So the, yeah. the beard throws you off, right? The beard like, is it. Yeah. And the yeah, graying. The, beard, and, the yeah. beard is magical. Yeah. So, it, you know, when I grew up, it was like, you know, comedians made fun of every politician in office comedians mm -hmm. got you know that and and you know if if you if you had a if you had a talk show host that made fun of the sitting president nobody would be like left wing blah 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 you know like nobody just you know labeled that person and put him in a bucket but now even comedians everybody's trying to figure out who you voted for to decide whether or not to like your jokes mm, yeah and so you know a lot of the time it'll be like you know and it's funny because my stuff is in the middle, but people will be like typical leftist bullshit or typical, you know, right conservative, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, they, they try and decide that you're not on their side. And that's when they, that's when they go on the attack. Yeah. Nobody just sees it as this is a fun thing and it's, it's, yeah. it's funny anymore, you know? Yeah. Nothing's um, off limits for me. And I don't, you know, like I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm kind of like most Canadians I'm in the middle politically, you know, mm -hmm. but like if they think you lean left and they're on the right, they'll attack you and vice versa. And it's just like, mm. because I, because I poke fun at every social issue, you know, I have 124 books, each one of them triggers differently. And it's kind of right. fun to watch the fallout. It is kind of fun. Yeah. You should have like a disclaimer ticker, this sticker on it. Like this one is for Republicans. This one is right. for liberals. <laughs> this uh, one will trigger the left. This one yeah, will trigger yeah, the right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But yeah, give this to your right-winged grandfather what uh where where did this like what was your like comedy kind of because you do have a dark sense of humor where did that come from like what was your comedy influence growing up you're canadian obviously you're in the gta yep yep, yep. yeah uh what was your growing did you grow up there i grew up in hamilton okay okay cool. yeah um, um i i for me comedy was always dark it was always weird and it was always the people who kind of did the extreme stuff Mm -hmm. Um, but then I also always had a, uh, I always took a liking to the, the style, which is what I do, which is, which, which was, you know, Eddie Murphy pretending to be Mr. Rogers or, um, you know, some, some type of children's thing that isn't for children. And so my, my favorite movie, I don't know if you've ever seen it is death to smoochie. Oh, I, not in years. I know it. I know okay. the movie it's the purple, um, guy in the purple suit right yeah he's like yeah and it's robin williams ed norton robin Danny DeVito. yeah um and you know it's it's very dark and it's about a children's entertainer who takes money from parents who want their kids to be brought up on stage and he's kind of dark and weird and and i've always loved that kind of that style of humor is hey this is for the kids but it really isn't and so that's kind of where that started um and you know, sometimes Chad, you do something and it works and then you're like, okay, I'm going to do this 124 more times. And you right. just, you know, you just, like, like I wouldn't say I'm stuck there, but I'm loving it and it's working and the book sells. So I just keep going down this path. Like I haven't, you know, I've done some stand up, I've done some other stuff, but this is the most effective thing I do. Are you, are you going to take this on the road? Like, are you going to tour as like, like book readings or have you done that? I have done book readings in comedy clubs, but not, I haven't gone very far. Right. Um, you know, 
um, George Carlin was famous for saying, I love what I do. Uh, but the thing I hate about what I do is that I have to go to all these different places. And if I could do it out of my home, it would be the perfect job. Right. And, you know, I, I can go to a, an open mic in Toronto for, for, you know, and, and, and do my routine for 20 different comics, or I can do a show in Toronto and do a routine for, you know, the, the 12 people that showed up to that show or whatever that looks like the comedy scene in Toronto is difficult. And, or uh, I can fire up my phone and go live on TikTok here in my basement in an hour and have 120,000 people watch that and pick up 8,000 new followers or 5,000 new followers and sell a couple of hundred books in that hour. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, you know, as much as I love live comedy, you know, it's more effective for me to stay right here in my basement. Absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that, that makes sense. You started, you were kind of an entrepreneur. I, you still are an entrepreneur with your own businesses. How did you make the jump to the children's books? Midlife crisis. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 24 CEO since 24, you know, <laughs> um, and, and I, I, um, I loved it, but not, you know, like, I, like I kind of always loved comedy and always wanted to be a comedian even when I was a kid, but the, the path wasn't there. You know, self-publishing wasn't a thing when I was growing up. A lot of the a lot of the the barriers to entry are now removed, and I could see that happening. And in 2012, I wrote a business book, and I went to Second City for some stand-up training because I was speaking around the world at business conferences, mm -hmm. and I wanted to get funnier. And um, so I did the Second City stand-up course, and then I did a an open mic or not an open mic, but I did a five-minute routine at, at Absolute Comedy, and I was like, this is for me. This is what I want to do. And so I spent the next few years uh, blowing up my life so that I could make that happen. You know, I had to, um, you know, I had to, to uh, sell my businesses and and uh, get divorced and do all kinds of things to make it happen. So I did. What is what is your most offensive book? What's the one that you think you get the most offended messages or people losing their mind on? It, it, there's it's really there's a few okay. um mom's only fans um and 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 mom's only fans is offensive because i made the dad black mm. and the mom white and for some reason that has upset a huge number of people wow. and so one of one of the famous heckles is why the dad got to be black and i always respond with well his parents were black <laughs> right well why yeah, is he well, you know why did you choose a black character you're you know you're you're perpetuating stereotypes of black fathers leaving i'm like where did you get that like he's just a he's just a cartoon character in my book but somehow i'm now like you know dog whistle racist because you know <laughs> but it's like but what you got to understand is the first five books i did all my characters were white and guess what people said Mm, yeah, you lack yeah. diversity. You're you're racist. You're only using white characters. Okay, so I started inserting people of color into my books, and then immediately people said, "No, no, no! You can't paint black people in any negative light whatsoever. You're racist for doing for doing that." But every one of my characters is negative. Yeah, like, there's no, there isn't a single book where I have a good where I have a hero. There's no hero in my book. No. And it, you know, it, yeah. it's like you know, the, 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 the black dad leaves because the mom is a bitch, but nobody says why the white mom got to be a bitch. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like he left cause she's a bitch. It says it in the book, you mm -hmm. know, like, does he, is he supposed to stay and put up with that? You know, like, it's like, 
so, but people take, they take everything so seriously and so literally. So that triggers a lot of people because I chose a black character for that book. Um, but then I also have another one called My Big Black Hawk, which triggers people because a black voiceover artist uh, in the US asked me if he could read it. And he made this video where he was like in a classroom and he had these like fake kids in the, it was, it was so clearly fake. But yeah. People are like, you're reading it to actual children. Like, you know, <laughs> the, like some people just can't tell, even when you poorly Photoshop something that it's Photoshopped, you know, and, and, and the same with video. Like if you make, if you have the sound of children in the background, they're just assuming that you're in that classroom. They don't, mm -hmm. you know, they can't, they can't process that it's fake. Um. So, so those two, um, and then I have another one, uh, mom plus dad plus Chad, your parents have formed a triad, That's what I mean. right? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> that one upsets a lot of people because the last line of the book is skip along and count to three. We're normalizing polyamory <laughs> and that upsets people because they actually believe that's the goal of the book, um, is, 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 you know, somehow trying to, to indoctrinate children into this lifestyle, and so that is a is is another one, um, but you know each one triggers in its own way. Yeah, um, which is exciting. You know, uh, and it's funny because the least triggering books are the dead babies books. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's figure the, that out. Yeah. This yeah. is the world we live in now. You you have a book full of cartoon dead babies. Nobody's upset. I honestly think it's it's a lack of creativity in people that they couldn't think of doing this themselves, so they can't fathom anybody uh creating uh, something out of out of their brain like you've just thought of this you know you've made it out of thin air these people who are complaining would never be able to do something like that when right. i do stand up i have jokes about i have this whole bit about this girl who i met on tinder who is a professional wrestler and there's just a lot of things that go with her and being a wrestler and people will come up to me after and they'll say tell me more about that person i said oh that person never existed that's all <laughs> made up right never but they don't the, never tell people that <laughs> i know but that's just like one i don't say that on stage like i, I yeah, let the yeah. lie go but that's just one-on-one -on -one when somebody's like asking me you know outside a right. comedy club after like tell me more about that person like, i don't know what to tell you shows yeah. over that person is not a real person um i love and that it, and it kind of some people have this like oh like you lied to me and i was like yeah you're at a show like you yeah, know what i mean like what we show. do this is what we do this is entertainment yeah. we're manufacturing like do you think curious george is real yeah <laughs> yeah it makes uh it, it makes no no sense um what, what did you find is there something uh, when you're making tiktok and youtube that you, that something you learned along the way that was like every video needs to have this element this is what makes these videos successful um no um i wish there was the the only thing that i found that really works is is to jump cut the shit out of the videos and cut out as much silence as possible like keep them punchy and fast mm. but i use automatic i use automated uh, automatic software for that um called time bolt that just um you just throw it in it removes all the silent gaps um so um that that is is a huge thing but my strategy you know if you if you look at my tiktok account i have thousands of videos my strategy is to dump as much possible content on the on the platforms as possible and let them sort it out um mm. so i would say you know 20 percent of my videos have done extremely well and 80 percent have done average um, the, the game for me has always been 
spray and pray. Just, you know, I will upload this. I will upload a video of me reading the same book 20 times, you know, over the course of a year or two. And, and, and sometimes I do like, sometimes I test things where I'll be like, you know, I'll, I'll have a book, um, you know, and I'll be like, you know, I'll start off and be like, my racist dog only trusts whites, you know, and, and like, <laughs> and, and, and then I'll read the book. And then there's other ones where I just start with the page open and I start reading and then I tell you the name of the book at the end. And I find that some books do better when I announce the title up front and, and I never know what it's going to do. So I do both. So this, so the, 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 the big take-home strategy is do it all. Every idea that you have in here needs to happen because the, sometimes it's the ideas that you, like the Mike Hunt book, which is my number one best-selling book, has and you know i'm it's shameful to say this right but it's like i mean you're a comedian i can say this it's a throwaway joke it's an old joke it's not my yeah. joke you know i don't pretend to own it but it's also in the in the mainstream you know we can all use it so i i i always had this idea for a book called mike hunt and it was sitting in the it was sitting in my notes app on my phone for 18 months and then my my cartoonist who does my work who does my my drawings came to me and he was like you know sir I need I need some work this this week do you, do you, do you have any more stuff for me to draw and I'm like uh, okay and I pulled up this old idea and I gave it to him and then I put it out and it was instant like boom immediate outsold all my other books took off overnight you know from, from I, I pushed it out September 11th and it it's been a bestseller ever since wow and you know so. So for me, you know, it's, it's like, I got to stop letting, letting the ideas bake for too long. I have to just get them out as quickly as possible because if I let them sit and I find out later that I could have been making, you know, a lot more money for the last year and a half <laughs> that I, I should have done it when I had the idea originally, but it was such a throwaway joke. It was such a, you know, like it felt it's, it's look, it's low brow, but that's my, my style but it's like even lowbrow for me to do this joke. You know, you wouldn't believe how many people are just like, you're a hack. You stole this joke. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, but yeah, but this, this, this joke's going to buy me a fucking house. So fuck yeah. You. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Like, I don't care if you think I'm a hack because I'm banking on the joke. Yeah. Um, but, and you're honest you know, about so, it. And I'm totally honest about it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, of course. Like, you know, I don't pretend to own the joke, but I turned it into something different. It, people resonated with it. Uh, you know, nobody did it in this way and it worked. So, you know, the, it's just like you, you, you have all these ideas, you need to get them all done as quickly right. and as dirt and like, and don't do it like perfection's your enemy. Like, you know, do it poorly. My first few books I made with clip art, you know, they they were crap. Like they were just, you know, they, and, and I haven't alter, altered them because that's just part of the history, but like, you know, so many people will say things to me like your books are so bad and that's part of it right is they're so bad they're funny yeah so just yeah. don't be afraid to be shitty what's kind of like the coolest thing that has happened to you where you're like okay this is something i have something here has somebody like reached out to you or is there something that's been like where you're like okay i'm, I'm down the right path you know um money yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, money is the ultimate measuring stick. Um, yeah. So, you know, I've, I've been doing this for three years and I've been financially stable doing it for two and a half of those three years. Mm. That's that's the the entrepreneur in me kind of treating this like a business. 
Um, but beyond that, I would say, um, you know, recently I, when I reach out to comedy clubs, I get, I get quick responses and they're like, I didn't know you lived in the GTA. Here's the headliner spot, you know? And I'm just like, Hey, uh, can I get an amateur night? And they're like, put you at the, you know, so that happens. Um, and then the, the other thing that's kind of like, uh, and my ego loves this, you know, my, my, I love, I love attention. I do, uh, you know, I, I do what I do for the money, but I also like the attention that comes with it. And so I love when I'm like, when I get recognized, mm. you know, I, I was on a, you know, I went with my family and a, and my dad to Niagara Falls, you know, uh, the summer and this German tourist came up to me and he's like, use the guy with the children's books, you know? And, <laughs> and he was like, can we get a selfie? You know, he was all excited. And my dad was like, holy shit, my son's What's famous, you know? On? Yeah. Like, so that is, so those kinds of things for me are still exciting. You know, I was at, I was at McDonald's a few weeks ago and I was just picking up a coffee and these four teenage boys or three teenage boys were standing there at the front door and they, they had these like shit eating grins on their faces, you know, as I was walking out and they held up my picture and they were like, is this you? And I said, yeah. And they're like, Oh my God, can we get a picture? And I'm like, yeah, of course. You know? And so that kind of stuff is, is a big tell for me is like, wow, like I'm getting recognized by strangers. Um, that's kind of cool. What's your main audience for this? You mentioned 14 year old boys, you mentioned a German tourist. It seems like you really run the full table of, of people interested. Like I could show your books to my mom. She's got a great sense of humor and she's going to laugh and probably look up more of them. Um, right. And I could also show it to my younger sister as well. So do you, do you have any sense of what your audience is? I do. Yeah. My, yeah. my demographics are um, mostly uh um young boys like 14 to 30 um mm -hmm. uh, but then i also have this weird pocket of like gen x women like specifically divorced gen x women and maybe it's cuz i'm a i'm a gen x guy and maybe there's like something there or maybe it's just mm -hmm. you know i uh, because we grew up in the same decades we have similar tastes and humor i don't know what the reasoning is uh, or maybe they're just thirsty bitches that want to get with the, with me, you know, <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy with all the scenarios. Yeah. Um, but it, it's like, you, for some reason that that's done well, but then I also have guys in their forties, you know, like, you know, the, like examples come up from every age group and every walk of life. But, um, the majority of my audience is sort of, you know, younger, um, uh, boys. It's it's funny because like my buddies sent me your books when, when I reached out to you and I was like, oh, yeah, like I've seen Brad a lot out there. I noticed that you followed the page and, you know, my my friends are in their mid 30s and the, we went on a we have a text thread thre uh, thread, a bunch of us and four year TikToks came up in a row like oh, this one, this one, this one. I was like, yeah. I want to reach out to him. Yeah, I'm a, um, I'm a paid that. member of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. I, I, I know that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I wanted yeah. to get to get to that as as well. Um, but first, I want to ask you, you mentioned your dad. Um, and when you went to Niagara Falls, what, what do your parents, what does your dad think of think of all this success in your in your books? Um, I've always I would say that he my dad doesn't really understand it. Um, right. He's he's impressed, but but at arm's length impressed, you know, um, your, your, your family is usually the, the, you know, like same with my kids. They're not, they don't care what I do. I, they, I might as well be an accountant as far as they're concerned, you know, mm -hmm. but my, 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 my parents are, are, you know, 
I would say they're proud, but they're, they, they don't quite get it. They don't see the, they don't see, but, but, you know, I've been an entrepreneur, an internet entrepreneur since my twenties, since the internet was birthed, you know, and they never got what I did, but I've always been successful at what I do. So they kind of just know that like, I can't, I, I say this a lot, but it's, it's a true, it's a true statement. That's why I say it all the time. I could never be a starving artist. I have mm. to be a well-fed artist. Yeah. And, and so to do what I do, there always had to be a, a financial windfall in it for me, or I wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. And so they, my, and they know that about me. So they don't worry about me. Um, they, you know, they're, they're not worried that I'm going to come to them for money They're They know that I'm, that I wouldn't do it unless there was, you know, something in it, money to be made. Right. So, so, um, but their understanding of it is, is, is small. You mentioned you're a member of the hall of fame, the Canadian comedy hall of fame, a voting member. You voted this year, obviously on the list. Um, I did not, I did not. No, I didn't. Oh, you came in later. No, uh, no, I've been in it for, I don't know, eight months or something, but I didn't, I didn't get anything about voting. So maybe I'm not a voting member. I don't know. I don't know what kind of member I am. I'll, I'll look member. into that. Who, who who do you think should be in the Comedy Hall of Fame? Like when you think of comedy Canadian influences, um, I know probably you don't know the whole list of who's in and who's out at this point, but just thinking back on, you know, who you grew up with, uh, who do you think should be in the hall? Um, Eugene Levy, is he in? He is not in yet. Yeah. I would yeah. I would probably I would put him high on the list. Um yeah. You know, any of those sort of SCTV alum, uh, mm-hmm. I think would be would be good fits. Um, I, I really like, you know, some of the like I grew up on SCTV, you know, it was yeah. on reruns nonstop when I was a kid. And if it was on, I was watching it. Um, so, you know, and any of those people. Um, but most of the comics I followed when I was younger were American. You know, we were, we had a lot of US TV influence here in Canada. And so a lot of it yeah. is, you know, comes from there. Um, but, um, so it's, it's hard for me to even come up with names off the top of my head. Um, but, uh, um, you know, when you see them, you're like, oh yeah, that guy. What I really like about your books too, and I'll, I'll let you go in a second is the, um, the, how professional they look. I mean, they are professional, don't get me wrong, but they look like my kids books that she has in her room. Right. 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 Did, did you take a while, like trying to figure out the look? No, I, I'm a graphic designer. So, you know, my, my previous business was mm. I had a clip art company um, right. and, and I knew how to do graphic design, you know, backwards and forwards. Um, yeah. So, so the first book is the exact same template that I use for the latest book. Um, right. You know, and, and once I kind of box, figured that out, like what that was going to look like, they all follow that same formula. Okay. Uh, and I knew, and I knew what a kid's book needed to look like. Yeah. You know, so I followed that that style and design and format. But um, with the exception of a couple comic books that I made, all my books are square. You know, they all kind of fit that same look. Thanks so much, Brad. Thanks for thanks for hopping Thank on you, here Chad. for a bit. And uh, yeah, no, I really love what you're doing. Uh, it's so unique, and I want to have unique, different comedy perspectives on it and funny people. And you're definitely one of those. So thanks again. Thank you. There it is. The um, children's episode of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. Thanks to Fred Penner. An absolute 
legend. He told me he was going to uh, planning on going back out on tour shortly. And, and frankly, I can't wait to bring my daughter to one of his shows wherever he goes. Keep watching fredpenner.com to see tour dates when Fred uh, heads back out on tour. Also, big thanks to Brad Goss. Really, really funny guy. I love what he's doing. I love his attitude towards comedy and his attitude towards hecklers and those negative people in his comments. Uh, Brad, Brad's a really, really great guy. Brad Goss, G-O-S-S-E.com. So bradgoss.com is where to find everything on his books. Also, if you just type in Brad Goss into Amazon, a lot of his books are for sale. I think all of his books are for sale there. And also at Brad Goss on TikTok is a must follow. We are on all the social medias. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can follow us at Canadian Comedy Hall or at Canadian Comedy Hall La Fame. Also, we are at CanadianComedyHall.com. That's our website. It's 2023. It's a new year. That means we're going to get a new list of nominees, a new list of inductees later in the year. I can't wait. Stay tuned to this podcast. Lots more great episodes coming. Lots more great things to come this year. I cannot wait to see where this goes. It's one of the top 20 comedy podcasts in Canada, and, and we love bringing it to you every single week. For the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame and the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast, I'm Chad Noonan.